Hello, everybody. Merry Christmas. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Luke, and it's a privilege to share a Christmas message with you today. Kids, I hope that you are having fun with your kids' packs. If you didn't get a kids' pack, man, you're missing out. And uh, we need to make a plan to get you a kids' pack. And I think they're at the door as you came in. Hey, um, who's excited about tomorrow morning? I mean, maybe, maybe there's something to look forward to in the morning. Who knows? Something waiting under the tree. I don't know. I don't know how your, how your year has been. I don't know how your year has ended. I, I know for sure that some of you are frantically rushing to shut down operations to make it to the holiday, right? To close up shop. Others of you are like on the beach and you're on holiday and you're just chilling and you're living the dream, right? I know for some of us, this is a season of incredible happiness, joy, and lots to celebrate. For others, it's a difficult time as well. Maybe it's a lonely time. Maybe, maybe, um, maybe there's people you wish you could be with right now you're not able to be with. Maybe there's people you are with that you wish you wouldn't. <laughs> anyway, our house is a bit of a crazy season at the moment. Um, we, we did a bit of a, a crazy thing sort of happened to us. We, about two months ago, we put our house on Airbnb, thinking if, uh, if we, uh, if we, maybe if we got a booking for Airbnb, we could use some of that money to finish some of the renovations. And then it became quite clear about uh, 10 days ago that we weren't going to get a booking, uh, but we forgot to take it off Airbnb. Um, and then we uh, knocked out a wall and moved the DB board, and we, knocked out, we, we, we ripped up the floors and took out the kitchen. And then on Monday night, out of nowhere, somebody snuck through the system and booked our house. Uh, our construction site slash dump site slash mess. And so our whole Christmas has been overshadowed by this. But we, we're nearly there and uh, we're looking forward to holiday. I'm sure some of you can relate in some way to just a frantic, frantic season. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you're making the most of the season. Wherever you're at, I'm trusting that Christ would meet with you tonight as we look in and we focus on Jesus as the light of the world. One of the things we did this year as a family was we did a bit, a bit of an adventure. We jumped in our car. We drove all the way over the mountain to the city to go and see the Christmas lights. I don't know if you've done that, but it's worth a drive. Uh, we went looking through the city, went through Adelie Street, amazing sort of Cape Tonian version of the Christmas lights. Lights have always been a part of Christmas for me. I remember as a kid that we would set up the Christmas tree and we'd put tinsel and we'd put baubles. What other things do you put on Christmas trees, guys? Lights. You see, lights. That's the first thing I would think of. For me, as a kid, the lights made the Christmas tree. We, we didn't get just white ones. We had the ones with all the colors. I used to love the turquoise ones. In fact, when I was a kid, you didn't just get fairy lights all over the place all the time. Like these days, it's fashionable to have fairy lights on your patio and people put fairy lights up in their houses all the time. The only time you got like flashing twinkly lights when I was a kid was at Christmas. It was a special time. I remember as a family, we would, um, we would switch off all the lights, and uh, we would sit there and watch the, the Christmas tree blink in the night when it was dark. And then I remember times we would go, I come from a little town called East London, and in East London, there's a shop called the Eskimo Hut, and we would go, and we would get ice creams, and we'd sit in the back of my stepfather's Toyota Cressida, and we would drive through the town eating ice cream and looking at the lights. Lights are a part of of Christmas. They've always been part of Christmas, right from the, the very first Christmas. Lights were part of Christmas. Not just the great big light in the sky that you read about in the Bible. 
But in the person of Christ, as he came into the world, the, the Bible tells us light was actually coming into the world in the person of Jesus. We're going to read today from John's gospel, John's Christmas story, if you like. It's the one that most people don't read at Christmas time. It's the least read of all the Christmas passages when it comes to the gospel because it's so different than the other gospels and the way they're written. Matthew and Luke tell the stories of shepherds and, 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 and angels in the sky and, uh, and sheep and the immaculate conception and the wise men, all these wonderful aspects of the Christmas narrative. But John's story is quite unlike all of them. John doesn't so much tell us what happened at Christmas as much as who Jesus is and who Jesus was and what Jesus came to do. So let's zoom in together. We read from John chapter 1, and, uh, and let's see if we can see some of the names that John gives to Jesus as we look together at, at who Christ is. Let's read together. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him not anything was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as the witness. A witness means he comes before, and he tells, and he, and he, and he, and he prepares the way, if you will, for the one who's coming. To bear witness about who? Jesus, the light, and all, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, this is John, but he came to bear witness about the light, that is Jesus. In verse 9, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. Let's just read that last bit again. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world 2,000 odd years ago. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Jesus, uh, we're looking at today, the name or the title of Christ is the light of the world this Christmas. The true light that gives light to everyone came into the world. Now, what's the significance of light? It's quite different today than what, than what it was then. The, what is the significance of light? In the Bible times, remember, they didn't have, um, the, light was the sun, it was the moon, and maybe it was a small little oil lamp, Right? That's all you kind of had in the Bible times. They weren't as lucky as we are to have things like ESCOM and light switches <laughs> and street lights and all these modern luxuries that we have, right? It's often, it's so easy to take it for granted. Uh, light then wasn't just about convenience and being able to burn the midnight oil, so to speak. Um, light was about safety. Life was about, light was about security back then. There was danger that hid in the darkness. You needed to be aware of what was lurking there. It's why today still many have security lights in their home. I was chatting to a friend of mine from Massey who explained to me why load shedding at night is particularly dangerous in Massey because, because there are people who can hide away and prey on the weak. There's Tsotsis who hide and sneak up and prey on the vulnerable. Uh, light uh, is, is safety and security even still today. Light means safety in a dark world. I remember as a 17-year-old kid, how's this? I came to faith as a real kind of, a real rough, messed up 
kid and I, I had a whole bunch of friendships, a whole bunch of mates in our friendship circle. We do all sorts of really bad things together all the time. Then suddenly I come to faith. Now, now what? Now I can't do all these things with my mates that I used to do. And so I, it was like it was, it was either go and join them doing things that I really didn't want to be doing, or do what like sit at home and be bored. What what like? So we had to come up with some sort of alternative, right? So I remember as a 17-year-old kid, um, we approached a pastor at a, of a church and, uh, and said to him, you know, there, there's all these things happening out there for people who don't know Christ, but there's nothing for us Christians to do that's fun. And so can you help us? Would you let us use your church on a Saturday night and we're going to get some bands to play and we're going to see if we can have some fun? And to this pastor's credit, he said yes. And he handed the church keys to a 17-year-old kid. And, uh, and we would do, we got bands to play, it was amazing, uh, but then at the end of the night, this 17-year-old boy had to lock up the church venue. Now, this was one of those churches that was built like, they started like this, and then they added on a thing here, and then they added on a thing here, and then they added on, you know, it just kind of becomes this monstrosity, right? And you had to start on the one side of the building with the keys, and then you had to make your way through from this into this room. Eight different rooms I was counting. Some of those rooms were 200 seaters, 300 seaters. Some of those rooms were like eight seaters. But they got the wiring wrong when they built these rooms. So you had to go into the room and the light switch was at the door that you had to lock behind you. Switch off the light and then you had to go across in the pitch dark to the other door to then lock that one behind you into the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Eight, one after each other. I was 17. I think I was probably more, I was superstitious then. I was in this spiritual place and it was all dark and I was alone. Yes, that, that like 10 minutes to lock up those eight rooms were some of the scariest moments of my life. Each room pitch dark, hearing all sorts of sounds, wondering what was there. I remember coming to the last room, switching on the light and just being safe because light was safety. I remember exactly what that was like. John says of Jesus that he was the light of the world. He was safety, he was security. He was the opposite of darkness. Light illuminates darkness, and in so doing, light vanquishes darkness. I want to say tonight that we all have darkness that needs light. It's one of the things that John is doing in this passage. By saying Jesus is the light of the world, he's assuming and he's saying that there is darkness in our world as well. Uh, the world can be a very dark place, John is saying. Light in a light place it's redundant. You don't really need light in a light place. This is why I am the dad that is running around the bedrooms in my family, always switching off the lights when there's no one in the room, right? To save, some of you guys are like that as well, to save electricity. Because the purpose of light is to shine in darkness. That's what Jesus came to do. John is saying there is a darkness in the world and there is a darkness in our lives and Christ came to shine and be light in it. For many of us, I think Christmas is a bit of a sentimental story, a story about a baby, about animals, about shepherds, with singing angels, there's carols and shiny trees. But if you really understand what John is saying to us, John is saying it's the most honest assessment of the extent of the brokenness of our lives as, uh, as human beings and the state of our world. He's saying there is darkness in the world and there is darkness in our lives. And we need a light, a source of light that is outside of ourselves. We're unable to overcome the darkness in and of ourselves. The solution to the darkness that we carry 
uh, in our world and in our lives is the Son of God breaking in to the human story because we could not generate light in and of ourselves. What is this darkness? It's the darkness of sin. It's the darkness of death. That no civilization in history has been able to defeat. And John is saying that Christ came into the world to overcome this darkness. The thing about darkness is it doesn't just go away on its own, does it? It's not like if you just leave it long enough, darkness disappears. It doesn't automatically get lighter. The solution to darkness is the switching on and the shining of light. Think back to me. Think back with me locking up that, sto- that church building all those years ago. The darkness will stay there in that room until I find my way through all those chairs and the things people had left there and finally switch on the light. It will be dark until that moment. And the message of the Bible is this, that our problem as human beings is, is deeper and it's darker than we suppose it to be. And that Christmas is the story of light intervening into our brokenness and into our darkness. It's the great intervention in history, Christ breaking in. Jesus came to do what we could never do on our own. He came to break the power of sin and death in our lives. Now, many have got different theories about the problem of this world and the solution for it as well. I think there are many who think in our world today that what we need is we need more science. We need more education. If we all just got more understanding around science and education, that was the hope of the Enlightenment. The Enlightenment basically said we don't need God anymore. Now we've got science. We've got education. We can figure out this problem and we'll put it to bed. And if we're really honest with ourselves, history is the story uh, of that. uh, The history tells the story that that's exactly the opposite of what happened. There have been more destruction through war after all the science and education we've had than we ever saw before. And it's not that those things are bad. It's just that they gave us more creative ways to bring out what was already inside our human hearts. Some think the solution is a greater awareness if we as human beings became more aware spiritually. Maybe, um, maybe if we had more resources, if there was just more money, if there was just more stuff going around, then everything would be okay. But John is saying our problem is bigger than science or education or, or even a spiritual experience could overcome. John is saying there is a deeper brokenness in our, in, inside of us as human beings. And we need an external source of light that we have in Christ to overcome it. That is exactly what happened in the Christmas story. Quite literally, in a cave lit only by oil lamps, in the deep, deep, forgotten almost part of the Middle East, a baby was born. He was born to a peasant mother and a peasant father, to a teenage girl and a stonemason father. It all happened in the kind of backwaters of the world. You had the Roman Empire all the way over here, but there in this kind of long forgotten kind of armpit of the world was this little place called Bethlehem. I mean, we should never be speaking about what happened that night. The fact that 2,000 years later, we're sitting here tonight remembering the birth of a baby born then and there is a miracle in and of itself. It's extraordinary. 
But it's exactly the, the reality that light has shone. And to this day, Jesus remains the most influential person to have ever lived. He transformed the way we think about God. He transformed the way we think about others. He transformed the way we think about ourselves. Transformed the way, even the way we think about our enemies. This baby born then and there, all the way through, still shining light, changing the way we think about all of these different things. That night in that cave, something supernatural happened. Something out of this world came into this world. Light came in. Jesus was born into the brokenness of humanity, and from that context, he shone light. John says in verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus brought with him life, Light to all mankind, to defeat the great enemy of death, to defeat the great enemy of sin, Jesus came to bring life. Greater light and greater life than any of us could self-generate on our own. As we heard last week, God himself squeezed into a tiny baby human body. God squeezed into there in order to, 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 to bring us as human beings to life. He invited us into eternal life with God. John continues, it says, verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. The thing about light is it's got a disproportional power to darkness. A little bit of light has an incredible ability to overcome a great deal of darkness. I remember hearing the story of when, um, when Lauren was seven years old. And her dad um, took her to the Kango Caves, right? If you don't know the Kango Caves, that's uh, these great big caves near Otsuan. And, um, and you go through, like similar to my church story, from one cave into another cave to another cave to another cave. And you go through a long journey before you come out the other side. The problem was about, seven, about five or six caves in, Lauren at seven years old decided that she had gone far enough that she was going to leave the tour, the tour could carry on, and that she wanted to go back. Now, the way the system works in the Kango Caves is quite similar to that church in that uh, once they leave the room, the light switches off. And so Lauren's dad and Lauren were left on their own. You could never do this now safety-wise, I'm sure. And all he had with them was a pocket lighter. Some of these caves were massive auditoriums. And they were able to, to navigate on little bits where there were big falls to the left and big falls to the right. They were able to take this little lighter and to navigate through all of these caves uh, to get back out. Because light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. It's the thing about light. It's disproportionately more powerful than darkness. And that's exactly what John is saying to us. John is saying there is a brokenness in the world. There is a darkness in the world. Let's not kid ourselves. It's there. It's real. It's not just in the world. It's in our lives as well. You, you, if you're part of our church, you've heard me say this. I love to quote Fyodor Dostoevsky, who, uh, no, 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 uh, 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 Alexander Solzhenitsyn, who wrote A Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. And, um, and in that book, he said, we'd love to believe, would we not, that there was a line separating all the good people from the bad people, and all the good people could be over there, and all the bad people would be there. But he says that line simply does not exist. If we're really honest with ourselves, he says that line runs through every single human heart. And we have a brokenness in us. We have a darkness in us. And John is saying, don't kid yourself, it's real. 
And you can't generate your own light. You need an external source. And Christmas is the story of light from outside coming into the darkness to bring light to us. What must we do with the light that Christ is? I want to just give you two simple things to think about this Christmas. Number one, make Christ your light. Let me begin by asking you this question. What is your light? What is your light? In other words, when the world around you is dark and depressing, when it's scary and you're feeling alone or lonely, we all have times in our lives like this. Where do you go to find light? Where do you, what, what is that thing that you make central to your life? The thing that you look to as a source when you need life? I want to put to you, make Christ the center of your life this Christmas. I wonder if for some of us, you're holding on to a darkness. That there's a darkness in your life, there's a darkness within you that you, you're holding on to. The thing that light does is light exposes darkness. Light, um, light brings things out into the open. It takes things from being in secret and it brings them, we, we use the phrase, into the light, right? Light brings things out. I wonder if some of us this Christmas are not maybe, you, you've actually made something central that's dark. You've actually made the center of your life something. And you know you are holding on to this thing. And it's time now to actually say, no longer. And the move to make here is to bring that thing into the light. I think some of us are self-generating light. It's very tempting today to kind of self-generate light. Uh, it's, even at Christmas, sometimes we can, we can almost get into a kind of a forced performance thing whereby we're trying to generate enough goodwill to overshadow the darkness that we carry. Or we try, and, we try and be as joyous as we can to try and overwhelm the feelings of discontent that we carry. Try and kid ourselves and pretend they're not there by like overcompensating in these things or the sadness we feel. But that's not John's message here. John's message is not, you can, if you really try hard enough, you can, you, can, you can overcome the darkness inside you. John's message is, light from outside came down into the midst of our darkness to transform our lives. What do we do? We stop trying to generate light on our own and we receive the light of Christ. It's very hard in our modern world to do this because everything in our society is telling us to, to generate light in and of ourselves. David Brooks says that our society is shifting from a culture of humility to what can be called a culture of the big me. Uh, I think I've heard it called as well, uh, the I am the greatest culture, right? You only have to watch how footballers celebrate after they score a goal. 20 years ago, someone scores a goal. They run up to the mate who passed them the ball. They high-five them. They share a moment. Wow, that was amazing, hey? Now, someone scores a goal. He forgets about everybody else. Then he's got his almost signature move celebration, right? They've got to create this thing to show everyone how amazing I am, how I'm the greatest, how even God-like I am. Look at me and worship me. Aren't I just amazing? In the best-selling book, I think it's one of Oprah's favorite books. I think she, it's one of those books she like hid under a chair in one of those shows when people had to look under their chairs, you know. David Brooks, being the only man maybe to admit that he finished the whole book, he, um, 
he said, he said this, quoting, Elizabeth Gilbert's right that God is, she says this, she says, God is manifested through my own voice from within myself. God dwells within you as yourself, exactly the way you are. Sounds very like endearing almost, very uh, summing up of our culture. Although it's incredibly popular, it's exactly the opposite message of Christmas. I think if we're really honest with ourselves, if you're really, really real with yourself, you know that you need a hope and you need a light from outside yourself because you've tried, like me, enough times to generate and to switch that light on, to keep it on and keep it going. And, keep, uh, and, and that's not what John's saying. John is saying this. This Christmas in Christ, God invites us to be honest about the darkness in our lives and honest about the darkness in our world and to receive a light from outside of ourselves. And we do that by making Christ central to our lives. We who are broken, we who struggle to do the right thing many times, He steps into the darkness of our lives and He shines light where we couldn't. And that makes all the difference. First thing to do this Christmas What's the center of your life? Who's, who is your light? What is your light? Make Christ your light. The second thing to do is to, um, to be a light reflector to others. To be a light reflector to others. Those of us who've received Christ's light now become light reflectors to our community. To be a follower of Christ is to reflect the light that has been shone within us into our networks, our communities, into the world in which God sends us. We bring light into the world, not by generating light, not by trying really hard to, to, to be something we're not, but through receiving the light we've received in Christ and allowing that light to shine in within us. We then shine that light to others. And this is, I suppose, the mission of the church. I couldn't think of a better way to do it than to shine light on a disco ball and to just think about it for a second, a bit of party mode here, hey? But I think in, in some ways, this is a picture of the church, right? I'm going to slip across the camera. I'm sorry if you're joining us online. I'm about to slip out and you're missing out on some action over here. But, um, but this is, in a sense, a picture of the church. We're not trying to generate our own light as much as we're... Uh, that is really bright. We are allowing the light of Christ to shine within us. Not kidding ourselves about how little darkness there is within us, but bringing the darkness that is within us into the light and experiencing Christ with us in that place, transforming us to the point where that light that we carry then begins to shine out of us. And, and, and we like this, like a, a series of lots and lots of little people, little pieces together, stuck together, the light hitting us all together, then radiate light out into our communities. I think a disco ball is a perfect illustration for the church in so many ways. It's the light of Christ that has shone within us that then reflects in different ways to different places as each of us center our lives on Christ. So let me ask you this Christmas, who in your life leads, needs light right now? Who in your life leads, needs light right now this Christmas? And what does it look like? To share something of the light. What could it look like to share the light of Christ with them? John's message to us is simple. If Jesus is the light of the world coming in, we've got to be honest about the darkness in our lives. 
And then we make, the cent- we make Christ the center of our lives, allowing His light to shine within us. So let me lead us in prayer as we reflect upon this together. Jesus, it's extraordinary that, to think that you are the light of the world, that we, didn't, we weren't left in our darkness. It wasn't left to our own devices. But Christ, you stepped into the darkness of our lives. You could have remained aloof, but you step into our darkness. I wonder if there are some today, if you're honest, something else is the center of your life. Something else is the light of your life. I wonder if for some of us you're holding on to something that's actually darkness and it's causing you destruction, it's causing you pain. Perhaps it's even living in secrecy. And, and you've heard the story of a God who doesn't turn his back on us because of our darkness, but who comes and exposes it in love so as to transform us. The gospel is not that Jesus came to the best people. The gospel is we were so broken, we couldn't save ourselves, but Christ came to us to change us. I wonder if for some of us today, actually, it's, it's bringing something to the light this Christmas. It's a strange thing, and it struck me just driving here. I wonder if for some of us tonight, tonight's the night you serve notice on some of the darkness in your life, and you bring it to the light, and you share with someone you know, and you invite Christ to shine light to you. I wonder if for some of us, you, you, got to, you realize that you're either trying to be your own light, or you've got a source of light that is just insufficient, and you need Someone like Christ, who is the light of the whole world, everything in the world was made through Him to be your light tonight. And you want to pray a prayer that just goes simply like this, Jesus, would you be the light of my life? As I center my life around you, Christ, forsaking all others, I make you my light tonight, Christ. And then still too for us as a church, for other Christ followers, Christ, that you would enable us to shine light this Christmas. I pray for those, first of all, who are just tired and limping after a long year, Lord Jesus. And you feel like you've got nothing in your tank. You feel like you've got nothing left to give. You're just spent. Thank you that you stepped into our lives, that you illuminate our lives in ways we could never do so on our own. And I pray, if you want to make this your prayer, Jesus, would you, would you refresh me, would you, would you restore me that next year I'd be able to shine light again to others. For some of us, it's not even about shining light right now. It's just about recovering and being restored to the place where you can. I wonder if that's you. Just do business with Jesus right now. Jesus, I'm broken, I'm spent, this thing that happened to me or the way that I lived, I'm just tired. Before I can even think about shining light, I just need to recenter on you, Christ. Pray for this Christmas period for you, this would be that season. And then I pray for some of us who actually, this is a fresh call to just, to realize 
It's not about keeping the light to yourself. This is, this is, a, this is a reminder that you are you're, you're part of a disco ball and your role is to not generate light, but it's to reflect the light of Christ. And maybe you just stopped doing that. Maybe you used to, but you just stopped shining light to your network, to your friends, to your family. You stopped being light to the world. And actually, in doing so, you ceased being like Christ because Christ came to be light in a world of darkness and now he sends you to be light into your world and freshly today you say Christ would you use me as a light to my friends and to my family let me live as a light because the light of the world came in to the world in the person of Christ but it goes on in the world as Christ shines through his church So you're freshly enlisting in the army of the light brigade, so to speak. Amen.